Good morning, everybody. Y'all doing all right? Well, happy Mother's Day to everyone in the room who is a mother. And um, so for some of y'all, it's your all's first Mother's Day, so congratulations. Uh, for some of you, it's your hundredth. So um, however you want to take it, all right? Hey, but I think sometimes there's some forgotten people in the room when it comes to Mother's Days and those type of things is some of y'all, you guys are mothers to angels in heaven. And so I just want to tell you guys, happy Mother's Day too. Um, I've had have several friends who um, have lost children and days like this is really hard. And so uh, I just want to tell you guys, happy Mother's Day. And one day, when you stand before God, I... I believe and I hope that that child can run out and you can have one big thousand-year reign with your child, okay? But happy Mother's Day. Sorry, that, got, that was really gloomy. I'm sorry. But happy Mother's Day. Hey, if Justin didn't tell you, I, um, I didn't, but as you leave today, mothers, we do have a gift for you out front um, as, a, as a way of saying thank you for being awesome because, honestly, we wouldn't be here without you. On many, on, many different, on many different levels, okay? But we've been in this series about the words of Jesus, and these words can change lives. Like, these words change lives. Um, they, these words can restore. These words can redeem. And I don't know how you feel, what you feel or what you think right now but about those things in your life, okay? But those things in your life where you feel like maybe they're not worth anything. And I'm going to tell you, no matter where you stand today, no matter... What darkness you find yourself in today, that story is redeemable. His words can redeem that. And so as we, as we look, at the, look at these words of Jesus in this series, and I don't know how long, and we do one more week after this, or I haven't decided yet, but I want you to know that these words aren't just words written on a page. But these words, even though we can admit that Jesus sometimes said some crazy things, right? Jesus said something. Like, remember that time when he told his disciples, like his followers, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood? That's a little weird, okay? But, you know, we have the, these phrases that are crazy, but these words of Jesus that are on this page that he spoke can change your life forever, okay? And, like, one of the things that I believe, if Jesus was sitting here in this room with us today, which he is, by the way, but if he was speaking directly to us this morning, I think he would say this little phrase, and it's the title of my sermon this morning, and it's this. It's, show your poker face, Show your poker face. You're like, Derek, Jesus is not about gambling. And you might be right, but I don't know what you know about poker, but poker is a game of risk, okay? Like, ooh, Derek has poker chips. Yep, I do, okay? Well, these are actually Jessica's, but <laughs> threw you under the bus right there, Okay? Poker is a game of risk. And I don't know what style of poker you're used to playing, because let's be honest, we all like playing a little bit of poker, right? Yeah. Okay? Uh, I don't know what, what, kind, what kind of poker you play, but my favorite one is Texas Hold'em. Okay? That's my favorite version of poker. You know, you get two cards, and they slap some more two cards on the table, and you take a risk, and you put a bet on the table. Right? So you get dealt a hand. So I'm, I'm going to do another version of poker here. Most of the time it's a five-card draw, right? One, two, three, four. It's hard to count and talk at the same time. You get a five-card draw. And you have to decide, based on the hand that you get, 
which I don't have a very good one right now. <laughs> See, I told you. I thought you worked for the school system. That's why I don't keep teach math. Okay? Thanks for pointing that out. Okay? And I don't have a very good hand. I try to find it. Okay? And depending on the hand that you get dealt, you decide if you're going to take a risk or not, right? Am I going to take a risk at this? Because this is about, this is a game of risk. You know, and sometimes we think, you know, like, I really don't have anything in my hand. I don't have much to offer. Like, if I, if I went all in and I risked everything, like, I'm sure I would lose. And, but here's the thing about poker is that nobody else can see your hand. Your enemy can't see your hand. Right? Unless they cheat. Kirby. Kirby. Kirby's not a cheater. But they, but they can't see your hand. And I often wonder sometimes if, if we allow the enemy to see our hand before we even decide to take a risk or not. Which we'll get into here in just a little bit. But sometimes you have to put on your poker face. That's the great thing about poker. Is you can bluff like no other. You heard that phrase, fake it till you make it? <laughs> but there's something that happens with the hand that you've been dealt when it comes to our faith. Is that no matter what's in your hand, it becomes a weapon to defeat the enemy. But if we don't put on our poker face... Our enemy is going to get us. And so the story that we're going to look at today, and we'll show you what I mean. The story we're going to look at today, and I'm sorry that this landed on Mother's Day, and so you have to forgive me, moms. But Jesus has just got done healing a man in the presence of some religious leaders, which that's not no big deal. Wait, maybe he's trying to convince them. But the bad news is it was on a Sabbath. And I don't know if you know anything about Jewish law, but you don't do nothing on the Sabbath. Like, they were, like if there was like one law... These religious leaders would make up like 20,000 laws to go along with that one. Like you weren't allowed to take so many, like the Bible says, you know, the, the law said, you know, not to, not to work on the Sabbath, right? Well, then they said, well, walking is work, right? And so what they would do is, okay, well, you can only take this many steps on Sabbath. So they would literally tie a rope, the length of what those steps would be around their waist, tie it to their doorknobs, and they could only go as far as that rope would let them. Like that's craziness, right? So for Jesus to heal someone on the Sabbath would be breaking all sorts of tradition. Would you agree? Okay. Well, then after that, you know, Jesus is a really good storyteller, and 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 so he he told a couple he told a couple of uh, told a couple of parables, and 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 these parables really shifted some people's thinking. And then what happens is as he leaves, there's this big crowd that follows him. And they don't, he doesn't, they don't follow him because of who he is yet. Because, you know, not everybody believed that he was the Messiah. All they really seen was, hey, he healed this dude, and he tells some really cool stories. Because, let's be honest, we like stories, right? That's why I like watching The Walking Dead. That's why I like watching these movies or these shows. Like, I really want to go see the new Avengers, okay? He's like, well, I heard it stinks. I don't care. I've watched all of them. I'm going to watch this one. I li we like stories, right? So these people are following him. This is where we're going to pick up the story. And our friend Luke, our friend Luke, who was a physician, he wrote, this, he wrote this down. He says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, this is craziness. If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. 
your father, your mother, wife, and children. That's a, that's a stab in the heart. I thought, like, what are you talking about? That's, like, my kid is a star football player. Like, I'm going to take him everywhere. You know, I live life through your kids. I never got it. Brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciples. Like, like Jesus, are you serious? You're telling me that my obedience to you, my devotion to you, must look like hate to everything else. You know what Jesus' response would be? Yes. Now, this doesn't mean to literally hate. Don't go around saying, Pastor Derek said to go hate everybody. That's not what it means. What this, like, what this means is, and what we understand it to mean is this, is number one, if you're taking notes, is Jesus is more than enough for us. Jesus is more than enough for us. See, sometimes we think that we have to live through our kids, right? That's why we push them so hard in sports, because we think they're the next LeBron James, when they're not. That's why, that's why like, when, like, when we put all of our hope in our spouse, or that significant other one in our lives right now, and they fail us, or they don't do something, they do something we don't like. That's why it's so depressing because we've put the weight that only Jesus can bear on those relationships. Y'all with me? Because like, Jesus has to be everything to us, because He's more than enough for us. But here's what it also tells us is if you take notes, Jesus deserves our full devotion and our obedience. Our full devotion and our full obedience above everything else. Above everything else. See, sometimes, and sometimes we don't do this directly to be like directly disobedient to God, but a lot of times when we look at what we have in our hand, Right? We don't think that our story's good enough. We don't we don't feel like we could do good enough stuff. And so what we do is we say, you know what? You know what? Like I can't be that obedient because I, I of this in my life because I like I have this addiction in my life. And that addiction I can't get rid of. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm I'll I'll take a little bit of risk. I'll take a little bit of risk. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put like going to put a little bit down on it. Or you see this um, immorality in my life. Like, God doesn't want me to do, do God doesn't want me because I give myself away to other people. I, I give myself away so much, I, why, how could I give anything to him? And what we do is we make Jesus one not enough for us anymore. But then we then we decide that we can't give our full devotion and obedience because of what is in our hand. And when we as believers, we should live by this principle that's found in Isaiah 26 where he says, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait eagerly for you. And this is what this, you have to understand. Is this next part is the most important thing in our lives, no matter what you have in your hand. Because this is going to turn into a weapon. Your name and your renown are the desires of our heart. Like when that becomes true to us, what's in your hand is not going to matter. 
What you've been dealt is not going to matter. So the question becomes, how do we approach this? What does it, by comparison, full obedience and devotion to God look like? What does it look like when it, when it looks like we hate our moms and our dads in comparison to the love that we have for God? And here's what I think. Luke goes on to say, our friend Luke goes on to say, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciples. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. He goes on to say, but don't begin until you count the cost. Don't begin until you count the risk. What are you willing to risk for Jesus? Because let's be honest, didn't he risk everything for you? Justin talked about in the welcome how he bore our cross, laid it all out, took a risk, right? He counted the cost and seen that it was worthy for you. So what are you going to do? What are you willing to sacrifice? Because it goes on to say, for who could begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. Ha, ha, ha. They would say, there's, a person who, who started, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. He goes on to say, or, or what about the king who would go to war against another king without first sitting down with counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So listen to this next part. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up what? Everything you own. Everything you own. So what does this look like? What does it look like to show your poker face? What does it look like? It looks like this, if you're taking notes. The risk of following Jesus is going all in. The risk of following Jesus is going all in. This means how we live our lives will be strikingly different than the rest of this world. It'll look so much different. It might look a little crazy. And it should. It should look a little, and this will be maybe a strange word to hear in church, but a little radical. Because radical obedience to Christ is not easy, it's not comfortable, it's not health, it's not wealth, it's not prosperity in this world. Radical obedience to Christ risks losing all these things. But in the end, such risk finds its reward in Christ. Because why? Christ is enough. Because he's more than enough. See, oftentimes when I pray for my kids, and this may seem like a crazy prayer, but my prayer is not for them to be famous or the best sports people in the world or to have the most popularity in school. No, my, my prayer for my kids is that God uses them. Like even if that means sending them to a place that I would be scared to death for them to be in, that's a crazy prayer to pray. Because I want my kids, I want Zane and Lyric to be all in. Dad, I'm going to go to Afghanistan and share the gospel. You sure? Because <laughs> you might die. Well, I'm willing to take the risk. Like, would me as a parent 
be okay with that. Or maybe, maybe your risk is something simple as, you know, for me to go all in, that means that person in the cubicle next to me, maybe I ought to start having a conversation with them. Maybe that's your risk. Or maybe for some of y'all, y'all, you felt that call on, your, call on you that you need, like, I'm going to be honest, like, I'll totally support you, okay? Maybe you feel like, you know, I feel like God's called me to do, do a church plan. I'll back you up. Like, what is your, what do you feel God is call, asking you to risk? Some of you, it might be your possessions. Maybe something radical for you is maybe downgrading a little bit in your life getting rid of some things you got. I don't know what it is. But the question becomes, are you willing to give up everything to follow Jesus? Because if not, if you're not willing to give it all away, then you're not ready to be a disciple of Jesus. Honestly. Now, let's be honest. I need a house to live in, so I'm not going to be giving up my house. That's not what that necessarily looks like all the time. So what is it that you have when we say give it away that you're going to use for the building of his kingdom? Like maybe your house can be used as a place for people to come and have Bible study and learn about God and connect that way. That's giving away everything. Maybe that empty car, car seat that's to your right when you drive here or the ones behind you, maybe that can be used to, or given away as for people to ride with you to hear about the goodness of Jesus. What are you willing to give away? What comfort are you willing to give away? Because if not, it's going to be like this. Luke goes on to say this. He says, salt is, is, is good for seasoning. But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soul nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Another one, another, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So what this means for us this morning is this. Is not going all in is like not going in at all. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Not going all in is like not going in at all. It reminds me of that. Uh, it reminds me of that passage in Revelation, where God, or John, was writing through. God was writing through John a letter to the church in Revelation three, and he says, "I know the works that you've been doing, and you are neither hot nor cold. And since you are neither one, I'm about to puke you or spew you out of my mouth." Because oftentimes, here we have this whole this whole thing that we can give, that we can sacrifice and we decide based on because rather what's in our hand isn't good enough or you don't feel like you're good enough and we have and we sort of like okay, I don't know if God can use me or not, I don't know if this is worth I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can give up everything, I don't know because if, if I gave up everything, then people will know what's in my hand. And if people knew what was in my hand, they wouldn't want to be with me anymore. They wouldn't want to talk to me anymore. I wouldn't be worth anything. Like my, Where I feel worthless in my life, people are going to see that. And they're going to think I'm worthless and nobody will want me. And I, just, I don't know if I can do life alone anymore. And you with me? 
That's all we decided to do is just put two. I'll give, I'll, I'll give you this much, God. And God's like, well, I appreciate that, but that's not good enough. Like, I gave everything for you. And all I ask in return is that you give your all to me. Whether you eat, sleep, breathe, you, you do it all for the glory of God. But you don't know what's in my hand, Derek, and you're right. I don't know what's in your hand. Because it could be addiction. It could be immorality. It could be, name it, fear. Maybe it's abandonment. Maybe it's heartbreak. Or maybe you just feel dirty inside because of life choices that you made. Or maybe you feel like you're unworthy because your significant other one left you or chose someone other than you. Or maybe you feel like, feel like, you know, maybe like God doesn't really hear me. I have some doubt. Because, hey, listen from a preacher on the stage. Doubt is real. And this, this brother has some doubt sometimes. So because you have doubt, don't let that, don't let that keep you away from pursuing God. Because listen, he's big enough to handle it. Or maybe, maybe that other card in your hand is, is this card that, you know, you know what, maybe it's pride. Maybe that pride's keeping you from going all in because, let's be honest, all these other, all these other cards that you're holding, your pride's keeping it covered up, even, even from, to the point where God can't use it. Remember a while back we talked about, hey, if you conceal it, he can't heal it. So that pride's keeping you from being healed, keeping you from breakthrough. I don't know what your hand you're holding in, but I know most of us in this room probably feel like our story is tainted and that God can't use it. Like, Derek, if you knew my drug use in the back, listen, take it from me, I was a hoe for show growing up, okay? <laughs> God can take a story and turn it into something beautiful. Turn it into a weapon. Your story's not tainted if it's covered in grace. See, Abraham, in Abraham's hand, was that he was old and childless. He left his everything he knew because he heard God call him out of, the, out of this crazy place into a land where there was nothing so he had nothing he was old he was childless he was given a promise that he would have children and they laughed at it because we're old no people don't do that no more but he became a father of a nation because he decided you know what I'm gonna go all in you have Moses in Moses's hand was a stuttering problem and on top of that stuttering problem, he was kind of in between places because he was, he was too much Egyptian to be Jewish, and he was too Jewish to be Egyptian. He has probably had a 